everybody be cool. You be cool. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Is this a dream? Unfortunately, no one told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. I hope not. The word they'd be wrong. Come with me if you want to live. I'm Catherine, and today I'm joined by BBFC Head of Education, Lucy, to discuss Romeo and Juliet 1968. So to mark 400 years since Shakespeare's death, we're using a few episodes of the podcast to delve into the files for some of his plays that were translated to the silver screen. And we're going to discuss what issues those plays posed for the BBFC and also for the filmmakers. Welcome back, Lucy. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about Romeo and Juliet, the 1968 version. And this film was directed by Franco Zeffirelli, and it starred Leonard Whiting and Olivia Hussey. And it was also narrated by Laurence Olivier. This version of Romeo and Juliet won Academy Awards for Best Cinematography and Best Costume Design. And apparently it was one of the most financially successful film adaptations of a Shakespeare play at the time of its release and it was really popular among teenagers partly because it was one of the first Shakespeare films to use actors who were really close to the age of the characters from the original play so teenagers tend to like watching teenagers on screen funnily enough and several critics also really welcomed the film and it had some really great reviews. I mean, it's certainly one of those films that I think will be incredibly evocative. So many people I know watched that at school when they were doing GCSEs. And or you're at that whatever. age. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's also certainly true. It seems strange to us now, and I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but in a world where you have seen sort of adaptations of Pride and Prejudice with much younger performers, or even the sort of Bezlum and Romeo and Juliet with, again, young performers. But this was quite an interesting development to have young stars. And so the whole film has a sort of real fresh feel even now when you watch it even though it's obviously many many years old so what do we know about the very first time the bbfc encountered the film we know that there were discussions between the bbfc director john trevelyan and the distributor of the film and franco zeffirelli we definitely know from one letter that um john viewed the film in rome in december 1967 so there was definitely dialogue but we don't have a huge amount we have a lot of john trevelyan's letters but not necessarily the replies so we don't know everything that was discussed he talks as you might expect if it's a film you know about how much he enjoyed it as a sort of lavish and beautiful production but they had concerns about the love scenes and a scene in the vault which is of course the scene at the end where the characters die which he felt would be a little macabre for you there are also some notes on file which suggests there was a concern about whether or not one of the characters was naked and of course if you're watching it in an outside screening and you can't stop the screening you know if you get a sort of quick flash of Michael York in sort of light coloured clothing you wouldn't necessarily know and this is a film that is quite famous for its sort of costumes and cod pieces and that sort of thing so I think that there was some concern about whether he what sort of clothing he was wearing and how covered he was. John asked for those reels to be sent over to the UK so that the BBC president Lord Harlett could view them and decide and so on first account that seems fairly straightforward doesn't it It has these slightly strong scenes and they want to check if they're okay for you What I think is really interesting is why they were so keen for you. And that's because up until this film, uh, as far as I can tell from the file, the BBFC had had a straightforward policy of passing Shakespeare at you regardless. So this film is a sort of transformative Shakespeare adaptation. It's certainly probably the most mainstream, which doesn't go at the universal category because it is taking those themes into a new territory. So how was the film classified for its first release? 
We know that the film was passed A and cut for the three problematic sequences, which were too strong for you. At the time, the A certificate was advisory with parents warned that the film might contain unsuitable material for young children. So it was sort of similar. Um, They're not exactly the same as we've said before on the podcast, similar to the modern PG. The rest of the material on file is about the actual classification of the film. Um, So we know that the notes on it say things like, what is Michael York wearing? That They talk a lot about how beautiful the balcony scene was and they talk about the nudity of the Leonard Whiting character and the brief nudity of the Olivia Hussey character in the sort of famous marriage bed scene. The film for those two scenes and for the um, scene in the crypt, which was considered quite horrific and sort of macabre, was given an A. Although it's interesting watching it again because there are sort of some sequences of slightly bloody violence and things in the famous jewels. So perhaps they were seeing those as a sort of a wonderful exuberant Shakespeare rather than um, sort of in the way we might view violence today. Um, But they gave the film an A, which at the time was um, an advisory category. So parents were warned that the film may be unsuitable for young children. And so it was similar, if you like, to the modern PG certificate. So what happened when Romeo and Juliet came in on video in the 1980s? So it didn't come in for quite a while. It was submitted on video um, in 1987, as far as I can gather. And... Again, they noted that the love scene was problematic at at the U category. Their reports, again, are sort of another sort of really interesting example of how carefully the examiners were thinking about what they were watching, but also about the familiarity of the story and the material, which is a lot of what we've been thinking about when we've been thinking about Shakespeare's films and how they might have been received by the BBFC in various different eras. Um, So, for example, the opening of of one of the video reports for Romeo and Juliet says, uh, under synopsis, says, do you really need a synopsis? So they clearly know that it's a well-known quantity. And he starts his report, would that this could be a you, it should be, but alas, there is a simple drawback. And then he talks about it. Um, He talks about the scene with the two lovers and the, the sort of shots of nudity, the buttocks and the breasts. As the examiner notes, though in one sense they seem very innocent when you're watching them, and certainly the scene is like that, um, they note that many parents may not, even some of those who would positively want their children to see it, see it as an innocent scene. And he goes on to draw on perhaps what the social concern is um, with what you were saying at the beginning about the fact that the actors are the same age as the characters, they're very young, um, and that, you know, Juliet's age is explicitly stated several times in the play. When it comes to teenage sex... A great many parents would prefer to turn the other way or to eliminate all thought or sight of the matter. So PG on the grounds of nudity. So that's where they're putting it. And again, they're seeing the violence as sort of UPG-ish. And there's not so much reference to the sort of upsetting nature of the final scene in the video reports as there is in the earlier reports. So it was given a PG and it still carries that certificate today. And I suppose it's important just to remember that at that time there was no 12 on video. No. So it was literally, they were thinking PG or 15. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet is a far cry from things like the Polanski Macbeth, which is stronger and has stronger material, which still stands up today. It feels PG-ish still. Yeah, it definitely seems that um, the BBFC kept in mind the likelihood of parents wanting to show um, this film to their children. And of course, there have been lots of other adaptations of Romeo and Juliet. And I think probably the most recent one is probably the Baz Luhrmann, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet from 1996, which feels like it was quite a long time ago and at the same time, not at all. How does that version of the film compare to the Zeffirelli film? Well, for a start, there's lots of similarities, which are quite interesting. Baz Luhrmann is using 
fairly young performers. Um, so there's an element of sort of a focus on this teenage love affair. And to, to be fair to the Zeffirelli film, the Lerman film, like the Zeffirelli film, has a huge amount of popular appeal. So they're both very popular of their time adaptations, looking at the material, and they both keep the language, um, keep the iconic monologues and things like that. So there are similarities, but the Lerman film is different in several ways, and they're manifest in the sort of classification issues that it raised because first of all it takes directly contemporary social ideas and concerns and transposes them into this sort of amazing landscape that Lerman has created but also it it is tapping into further concerns than just teenage sex if you like because the Zeffirelli one is very much set in an ancient Verona whereas this is set in a sort of modern day um, very understandable filmic location and it's bringing into play issues that are resonant and they still resonate when you watch it now so things like violence that is street violence and gang related and urban uh, drug use recreational drug misuse and this idea of partying and taking party drugs with your friends that's brought into it the other thing that the Lerman film does is it uses gore more I think it's much more sort of visceral feeling partly just because it's um, modern day special effects or more modern special effects showing you um, weapons and guns and things like that And how was um, that film classified? Well, it was classified 12 in 1996. Um, The main classification issue was moderate violence, although if you look at the sort of what was called consumer advice, which is now BBFC Insight, they do also note note that the theme was tragedy and talk about the drugs as well. The long insight on our website talks about the fight scenes. So, of course, there's many famous fight scenes in Romeo and Juliet between two rival gangs, and obviously there are young people involved in those, and there's stabbings and shootings, and we do see blood. The insight's clear that there's no strong focus on it. It's not not like, say, the level of gore in the more recent Fassbender Macbeth, where there's a lot of bl- pumping blood. There's also some quite heavy hand-to-hand violence, punches and kicks and a headbutt, so we see quite a lot of those things which would require a 12A because they are more moderate. The other thing that the insight also goes on to explain is that there is a love scene, and we see characters kissing and embracing in bed, although there's not so much clear nudity um, or visuals of sexual activity. And there's also the insight notes the use of a love pill which is a sort of device used as in a sort of exuberant party scene and we see Romeo become a bit sort of sweaty and dizzy and that is something that is of a huge concern to parents so it's something that we'd always note in insight although many of us could speculate that the drug's not sort of definitely identified as an actual substance that it's not particularly imitable or presenting a very specific drug using or misusing way of life. Another area, though, that we look at are um, things that are potentially imitable or potentially harmful or distressing. And um, it's also worth noting that Romeo and Juliet ends with a suicide scene. That's, again, something that we would include on Insight about this and about other works. So all in all, you've got a sort of more moderately strong version of the film that went at 12. In 1996, there was no 12A, so it was given a 12, which meant that under-12s couldn't see it at the cinema. However, it was given a 12A in 2013, when it last came into us, and it's a film that's been widely seen on DVD. Thank you, Lucy. And now I must admit, I had to do quite a lot of research around this episode of the podcast, and it was quite interesting, a little bit of trivia that came up, is that Tom York from Radiohead cited the 1968 Zeffirelli film as one of the main inspirations for the Radiohead song exit music for a film which was written for the end credits of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. What an amazing bit of random trivia. (laughs) And he's called Tom York like Michael York in the first one. They are amazing films it's been a pleasure to think about it and watch them actually for this 
for this podcast. I'm really glad people wanted to know about them. Well, thank you, Lucy. That was a really interesting episode of the podcast, I think. Now, if you listening have any ideas for films you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, you can tell us using the feedback form on the podcast page of the website. You can email us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or you can tweet us at bbfc.